Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we have the opportunity to worship. Lord, as Sam said a moment ago, there are many places in the world where believers have to worship in secret. We're so thankful for the freedoms that we have, Lord, but now I pray in the name of Jesus that you will not allow our freedom of religion to be taken away. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you today. May you be honored and glorified through the preaching of the word. Fill me with your spirit. God, may show me exactly what you'd have me to say and help me to say it in the power of the spirit of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you today on this subject, the church in the last days. Tom Nelson observed that many people have a skewed vision of the church. Some people view the church as a gas station. They get a little spiritually low and they come to church to get filled up with some spiritual stuff. Some view the church as a movie theater, a place of entertainment. Some view the church as a drugstore. And when you have pain in your life, you want to go to church so that you can find a fix for your pain. And then others look at the church as a big box retailer. They see the church as a place that offers the best products at the cheapest prices in a clean, safe environment for the family. But the church is not a building. The church is not a club. The church is not a business. The church is the body of Christ. And Christ himself is our head. The church is the bride of Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the groom. The church is a group of believers who regularly meet together to worship the Lord, to serve the Lord, to obey the Lord, and to advance his kingdom by sharing the gospel locally, nationally, and globally. That's who the church is. The biblical description of the last days should cause our skin to crawl. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, Paul wrote, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in those times. You do know that, don't you? For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they deny its power. If your eyes are halfway open, you've got to know that we are living in those times. We are living in the last days. But what does that mean for the church? The body of Christ. Carville First Baptist Church has been around 150 years. And I hope and pray we have many more years. My goal is for us 
to love Jesus from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. My goal is for us to be bold in our faith and to advance his kingdom, not our kingdom. Here's a pivotal point I want to make today. It's too late to play games. Do you hear me? Teenagers, you hear me? Adults, children, you hear me? It's too late to play games. With that thought firmly fixed in your mind, I want you to open your heart. And then I want you to open your Bible to Romans chapter 13. In this text, Paul lays out what we must do to take our faith seriously and how we can live with a sense of urgency in the last days and be the church that Jesus expects us to be. Here's the first key. Love for the Lord's delight. Love God. Love people because you want to bring delight to the Lord as he sees you obey him in this important matter. In Romans chapter 13, verses 8 to 10, Paul wrote, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. If there are any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Now Paul makes clear that a believer should pay his debts. You should never overextend yourself financially. If you borrow something from a bank or from an individual, you ought to pay it back. But that's not really what he's talking about here. So I want you to understand there is a debt that you owe that you will never be able to repay. Never, ever, ever. It'll be with you for the rest of your life. It's the debt of love. Who are we obligated to love? Well, if you've read the Gospels, you know that Jesus said we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. We're to love God. But Jesus also said in Matthew 22 that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. But who is our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? Well, our neighbor is anybody. It matters not about their religion. It matters not about their social standing in the community. It matters not about their race or ethnicity. We're to love everybody because God loved us first. We're to love. Paul cited four of the Ten Commandments here. You should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not covet. Now, if we truly love, you see, love, according to the Bible, is a tangible thing. It's not this fluffy idea of love that gets bannered about in secular music and in the minds and myths of people. No, not at all. You see, this love that we're called 
to employ in our lives is a love that is very tangible. How in the world can we say we love our neighbor and commit adultery with somebody else's spouse? How can we say that we truly love our neighbor when we have hatred in our heart for them? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, John wrote, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, do, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. God forbid, listen to me, God forbid that we allow the craziness of this world or, or the mistreatment by other people to harden our hearts. Leon Morris said, we can never say I've done all the loving I need to do. You'll never be able to say that. So I want to remind you it's too late to play church. And Paul lays out exactly what we need to do. We must love for the Lord's delight. Secondly, we must look for the Lord's return. We can get so wrapped up in the things of this world that we miss the obvious. A customs officer at the border when we once had a secure border observed a truck pulling up. He suspected the guy. And he asked him to get out of the truck and he began to inspect the truck, search the truck. He pulled the panels off, the bumpers, the wheel cases, but he couldn't find anything illegal. So he let him go through. The next week, the same driver came in a, in, in a truck and, and, and he searched him again and found nothing illicit. Over the years, this same official encountered this same individual. He conducted full body searches, x-rays, sonar. He found nothing illegal all those years. Finally, after many years, when the officer was about to retire, his paperwork was already in. This same guy came through again. And the, the officer, border patrol officer, said to this man, I know you're a smuggler. Don't bother denying it. But I can't for the life of, of me figure out what you've been smuggling all these years. Look, I can't do anything to you, so would you tell me what you've been smuggling? And the guy said, trucks. <laughs> the officer missed the obvious. Church, we cannot afford to miss the obvious. I want you to listen carefully to Paul's exhortation in verses 11 and 12. Do this, do what? Love God, love people. Love for the Lord's delight. Do this knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. 
We must not miss the obvious when God has made it so clear from Genesis to Revelation. As believers who make up this church, we've got to know the time. You know something I pray for myself regularly? Lord, help me to understand the times and know what to do. Lord, help me to understand the times and know what to preach to your people. Help me to understand the times and help me to know how to lead the church to be the church you want it to be in these last days. We've got to understand the age in which we live. Our day is a day of blatant immorality, unbridled narcissism, spiritual blindness, raw evil, brutal violence, heartless persecution, and anti-Christian bias. That's happening not in another part of the world. That's happening right before our eyes. We live in a time when people are calling good evil and evil good. We live in a time when people are, are marching on Washington, D.C. and crying out in support of Hamas. That's happening before our very eyes. And they're calling for the Jews to be gassed. That's happening in America. It's not happening just in the Middle East. Ladies and gentlemen, we're living in the last days. This is no time for complacency or compromise or carnality. It's a time to wake up. It's a time to get your priorities right. It's a time to read your Bible and pray. It's a time to share the gospel. It's a time to disciple your own children. It's a time to come to church. It's a time to invest in the Lord's work by giving your tithes and your offerings. Now, the word salvation here in this verse is a comprehensive term, and it, it em embraces our past justification, our present sanctification, and our future glorification. The sovereign, listen, the sovereign God is about to write E-N-D, the end, over the story of redemption. The end. It's coming. Look, I was 20 years old when I was saved at Mississippi State University. I wish I could tell every teenager, I wish I could tell every child, every young couple, I wish I could tell you that you had plenty of time to get right with God. You got plenty of time to get saved. You got plenty of time to live in such a way that Jesus is glorified and that you seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, but you may not have that time. There's an urgency that literally permeates this text that I'm preaching to you today. I'm telling you, it's too late to play church. A new age is dawning. Don't miss the obvious. Jesus is about to come again. In Philippians 3.20 the Bible says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you eagerly waiting for the Savior? Or are you secretly saying in your mind and heart, I hope Jesus doesn't come? If you're a born-again believer, if you're a part of the family of God, if you're a part of the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, you ought to be eagerly waiting for Jesus to come. 
you ought to say with John in Revelation, even so come Lord Jesus. In Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, the Bible says, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. He's speaking to the church. You say, well, I don't need the church, pastor. Yes, you do. You may think you don't, but you do. If you're a born-again believer, you'll never grow spiritually if you're not connected to a local New Testament church. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more, listen, all the more as you see the day drawing near what day? It's the day of the Lord's return. Look at verse 12 again. He says, the night is almost gone. He's speaking of Satan's dominion over this world. That day is about to about to end, friend. I'm telling you, Satan is a defeated foe. And then the Bible says, and the day is near. It speaks of Christ's return, his glorious eternal reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. Today we are, listen, today, right here today, we are nearer to Christ's return than anybody in human history. Did you hear what I said? There is nobody in the past that has been nearer to the return of Christ than we are right here in this room today, this moment. Hear me now. It's too late to play church. Too late. We must love for the Lord's delight. We must look for the Lord's return. And thirdly, we must live for the Lord's glory. Look at verses 12 to 14 of Romans 13. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the, the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to his lust. Boy, there are some very important principles in here. Lay aside the deeds of darkness. This verb, lay aside, pictures something that is expelled forcefully. These are the things you would never say or do in the presence of Jesus. And if any of that stuff is in your life, you need to expel it forcefully from your life. And put on the armor of light. Light and darkness are incompatible in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm. Here's the idea of a spiritual war. The, the voices of proclamation have sung about that today. We, we sang the battle belongs. We are in a spiritual war, a heated spiritual war. And we've got to understand how to fight in that war. And then he said, let us behave properly as in the day. You know what that means? You got to make sure that your outward lifestyle matches your inward commitment to Christ. 
There is nothing that turns a lost world off more than a believer who says they're a believer, yet they don't live like a believer. God forbid that anybody in this body of Christ would cause somebody to miss Jesus and go to hell because of a lifestyle that does not match what you say you believe. Look, he's very specific, not in carousing and drunkenness. He points to the abuse of alcohol and wild party. My dad was an alcoholic. I hate that stuff. I hate what it does to families. I hate what it does to our bodies. And yet it seems that in so many Christians' lives, they they bought into the idea, well, well, I can socially drink. How do you know you're not going to become an alcoholic? How do you know that? You know what I've discovered? Diet Coke tastes a lot better than beer and whiskey. I promise you. Sweet tea far surpasses whiskey and beer. I promise you. Test it out if you don't believe me. Not not the other part. Uh, Let let me retract that. (laughs) Wow. Sometimes I can say the dumbest things. But I keep you on your toes, don't I? So... Let let me go back. Not in carousing and drunkenness. Not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality. This picture self-indulgence and unrestrained lust with no hint of shame. And not in strife and jealousy. This refers to broken relationships and bickering that comes about because people refuse to love the way Jesus wants us to love. Listen, how you live matters to the Lord. He said, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if you say you're a believer, act like a believer. Make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. Those who are clothed in Christ do not think about how to gratify the lust of their flesh. So I come again with, with the same major point I've said over and over again in, in, this, in this sermon today. It's too late to play church. And I say that because so many people in our culture today, the American culture today, they're playing church. I wish I didn't have to say it, but there are people who are members of this church who are playing church. Young people, old people, middle-aged people playing church. We must love for the Lord's delight. We must look for the Lord's return. And we must live for the Lord's glory. So I ask you today, are you a true believer? Understand, I, I, I say that because... 
The Bible's very clear. There are a lot of people who think they're believers and they're not. There's a lot of people, read Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. There are a lot of people who think they're going to heaven and on the day of judgment, they're going to be turned away and they're going to be cast into hell. Are you a true believer? If you are, knowing that it's too late to play church, you need to rekindle that inner fire that you once had and develop a sense of spiritual urgency. The clock is ticking. I'm telling you, church, it's click, it's ticking. Jesus is coming. There's never going to be a better time for you to decide that you're going to take your faith seriously. Let me ask you, are there any deeds of darkness you need to confess and forsake this morning? Are you willing to put on Christ and live for him in such a way that he is glorified? Are you ready to join this body of believers? You're not a member of a church. You're looking for a church home. Are you ready to join this body of believers who I promise you, I'm going to do everything in my power under the leadership of the Holy Spirit to challenge us every single day, every single week to take our faith seriously. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, maybe you need to pray and ask the Lord if he wants you to join this church. And yet... There are folks watching live stream. There are folks in this room today. And if you're honest, as you look in the spiritual mirror and you look at your own heart and soul, you recognize that there is a, a painful emptiness in your soul. And, and you've tried to fill it with pleasure and you've tried to fill it with materialism and you've tried to fill it with this and you've tried to fill it with that and you're just as empty today as you were when you started trying to fill it. Listen to me, God loves you. And God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. And Jesus was raised from the dead, he's alive. I'm offering you a living Savior today who can change your life forever, who can fill the emptiness of your life with things that will absolutely make you joyful beyond anything you've ever experienced in your life. In Acts 4.12, Peter said, and there is salvation in no one else. Not Buddha, not Muhammad. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that's been given among men by which we can be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And I want to invite you today to receive Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. You'll never find a better time. You know, the Bible says something. 
that has always struck me. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. It doesn't say tomorrow. It doesn't say yesterday. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. So I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward and I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what God has said to you through his word today. If you're a believer and God has dealt with you about some stuff that that you need to forcibly get out of your life, come to this altar, bow before the Lord, confess your sin, ask him to forgive you and cleanse you and give you victory. If you're an unbeliever, I invite you to come to to Jesus today and receive him by faith as your Savior and your Lord. Our staff is here. They're here to help you. You can come to a staff member. They'll pray for you. They'll minister to you. You just tell them what God's doing in your heart, and they'll help you receive the victory you desperately need. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would be honored and glorified today. I pray, Lord, that nobody would neglect what the Holy Spirit is saying to them at this moment. I pray, oh God, that you would save souls, that you would cleanse believers. I pray that you would inject every believer with a sense of urgency to take their faith seriously. Oh God, have your way in our heart, in Jesus' name.